One of the things I'm most thankful for over the last few months is that it has revealed to me, and I don't know about you, but it's revealed to me some of the things that I've taken for granted, some of the things that I've had my whole life, and that's just always been the way that it has been, and I've never had the opportunity to see and to feel what life would be like without some of those things. And as uncomfortable as that can be, it can also be an incredibly great gift for us to realize and have shown to us the things that we take for granted. And one of the things that I admit that I've taken for granted is togetherness and singing together especially. And so it is, it is a revelation over the last few months that I've taken those things for granted, and I'm thankful for having my eyes open to that. So not only do I appreciate every little bit that I get now, uh, I'm going to appreciate it even more when this room once again is full and we can all hear each other sing and praise God together. But as Steve encouraged us just a minute ago, be aware of those who are feeling isolated. Be aware of those who are feeling alone. Be aware of those who need encouragement because as I said last week, what we will remember in this time and through this time is how we treated each other, how we expressed our thanksgiving for each other, how we expressed our love to and for each other. And we've been talking this month that we're halfway through the month about Thanksgiving, about gratitude. So my question to all of us this morning is, how's that going? How has it been going over the last 15 days? We're going 30 days of Thanksgiving, 30 days of thanks. And so how has it been going? I've seen so many social media posts of things that people are grateful for and people have reached out to me and, and shared that they're not necessarily posting it online, but they've been writing down things for which they're thankful, and I hope that we're all doing that, but if you haven't been doing that, it's not too late to start participating, and every day this month especially, think about, write down, share with someone something for which you're thankful, something for which maybe you've taken for granted in, in the past, but now you've realized how thankful you are for that person or for that thing, whatever it is that you're thankful for, because church, I've said it every week so far, and I'll keep saying it probably even after this series is done, that the world needs to hear the church give thanks. Amen? The world needs to hear the church give thanks because we are the good news people, right? That, that's what we have in common. There's a lot of things that we have different. There's a lot of things about us that are different, but what we have in common is we are the good news people. We have been changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. We have been united by the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's who we are. That is our identity. We are the good news people. And the world needs to hear us give thanks for the good news. So that's what we're focusing on this month. Psalm 95 is where we're going to be today. Psalm 95. And it is an invitation to give thanks, an invitation to come and sing together. So the psalmist says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. At least four things there that the psalmist invites us, 
invites us to do. One is sing to the Lord, right? And we, we get to do that this morning. But, you know, it's not just when we gather together. Again, there's many people that are at home watching online, maybe with their family, maybe with other families, or, or maybe just all by themselves. But we have this constant, ongoing, daily invitation. Come, come. Whatever is going on, whatever else is happening, come. Let us sing to the Lord. This is a constant invitation that is being extended to each and every one of us. Come, let us sing to the Lord. I I know this is going on and I know that's going on and I know you have this and I know you have that, but come, let us sing to the Lord. And, And it's amazing what it does for us, isn't it? It's amazing what it does for us individually and it's amazing what it does for us collectively when we respond to that invitation. Come, let us sing to the Lord. And then he says to make a joyful noise. And I always thought that that was sort of a a general thing, like a noise. A noise can be just about anything. But the word there in Hebrew is is kind of specific. It's It's a shout. It's an enthusiastic shout, almost like a battle cry. Come, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout aloud. Let us joyfully shout. Number three, give thanks. And number four, sing songs of praise. We've said the last three weeks that giving thanks is good, that it's good for us to give thanks. But I want us to stop this morning and just think about why that's true. And one of the reasons I think that's true is that praise completes enjoyment. That's an idea that that I've shared in the past because there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I love But I think that this is a very true idea and one we need to stop and realize that praise completes enjoyment. C.S. Lewis said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. And I know that's a lot of words, but, but what he's saying is that Praise, thanksgiving, gratitude, it doesn't just express enjoyment, it completes it. That you really haven't finished enjoying something until you said, I enjoyed that, wasn't that good, that was amazing. And and that's true of so many things, right? When you eat a good meal and you, you enjoy it, it's almost part of the enjoyment to say, wow, That was good. And if you have nobody to say, wow, that was good. If you have nobody to say that to, it's almost like that enjoyment is cut short. Or or how about there's a new trend. It's been going for the last few years. These dad jokes. You've seen that? As a dad, I kind of feel a little bit insulted that dad jokes mean something that's not very funny or that's so corny it's not very funny. But, yeah, you know, if the shoe fits, I guess. But, you know, there's these dad jokes and people will say them to each other and the other person will try not to laugh. When you, when you hear a funny joke, laughing is part of enjoying it, right? It, it, it doesn't merely express the enjoyment of the joke, it completes the enjoyment. And the same is true with praising God. We haven't really enjoyed God. Our enjoyment of God and our enjoyment of all that he's given us isn't really complete until we express it, until we give thanks, until we praise. So praise doesn't just express our enjoyment, it completes our enjoyment. 
And one of the reasons maybe that we really don't enjoy God the way that we should is that we don't take advantage of this invitation to praise as often as we should. But, but there's another thing I want us to consider this morning is that praise desires company, right? Praise desires company. The, the whole psalm is about come, come, let us sing to the Lord. Come, let us sing. Not just me sing, but us sing. Come, let us sing. You know, we say misery loves company, right? Misery loves company, and that's true, right? Misery loves company. When we're really miserable, we don't want to be miserable by ourselves. We have somebody to join us in our misery, right? And it's kind of irritating when, you, when you're miserable and you say, hey, isn't this bad? This is rotten. I hate this. This is so bad. I don't like this. And nobody really empathizes with, you know, when you find one of those happy-go-lucky people and all you want to do is complain and, and they just want to, you know, be happy and you're like, oh, come on, I want you to be miserable with me. Why aren't you as angry about this as I am? Why aren't you as miserable as I am? Why don't you complain like I do? Because misery loves company. Nobody wants to be miserable by themselves. We, we want to spread it a little bit, don't we? And that's exactly what we do. But not only misery loves company, praise loves company. Dis gratitude loves company. Thanksgiving loves company. And imagine how much different our world would be if we invited people to share in our thanksgiving instead of inviting people to share in our misery. Right? That's what this psalm does. This psalm invites us to share in thanksgiving, invites us to share in praise. Whereas that pushes back against our natural inclination to invite people to share in our misery. There's always things to be miserable about, right? There's always things we could complain about. And our natural tendency is to invite people to come and be miserable with us. Come and share in our misery. Come and share in our complaining. Because it feels good sometimes, doesn't it? It feels good to empathize with each other and say, yeah, that is rotten and I can't believe it's so rotten and I hate that too. And there might be a time and a place for that. Oh, but how much more so? We need to invite one another to share in our thanksgiving, to share in our praise, to share in our gratitude. Because gratitude and praise desires and loves company as well. Look at verse 3. He says, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Who God is must be the foundation and the anchor of our gratitude. Our thanksgiving has to be rooted in who God is. That's why good theology and good thanksgiving go hand in hand. Good theology and good thanksgiving go hand in hand. Our thanksgiving, our gratitude needs to be anchored in who God is. For one reason, that doesn't change right? If all I'm ever thankful for are things that are transient, are things that are temporary, are things that, that come and go, I'm thankful for the nice weather, and then the next day, the weather's not so nice. I'm thankful for this, and then that thing is gone. I'm thankful for this thing, and then that thing is gone. If my Thanksgiving, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be thankful for those transient, temporary things, that's fine, but it has to go deeper than that. 
It has to be rooted in the source of our blessings. Because the source of our blessings, who God is, doesn't change. And look at what the psalm says that God is. God is king, right? God is king. God is king above all gods. God is in charge. He is the sustainer. He's the one who has both the depths and the heights in the palm of his hands. He's the sustainer of all things. The depths of the earth and the heights of the mountain, even the seas, they're all in his hands. He is the sustainer of all things. And not just the sustainer of all things, but the maker of all things. He created all of these things. He is the source of all of these blessings. And so our thanksgiving, our gratitude, our praise needs to be anchored in and rooted in who God is. Because the fact that God is king, that God is sustainer, that God is maker, these things don't change. They don't change no matter what, no matter whether it's the sun is shining or, or it's raining outside, whether it's cold or hot, no matter who's in the White House, no matter what's going on in the world, these things are true. God is king. God is sustainer. God is maker. And that's why our thanksgiving and praise and gratitude must be anchored in these things that do not change. Verse 6, he says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Do you, do you see how gratitude and praise and thanksgiving and worship, they change our posture? Let us kneel, let us bow down, let us worship, let's fall on our faces before him because worshiping God and gratitude towards God, and praise to God, and thanksgiving, it changes our perception, not just of God, but our perception of ourselves, doesn't it? Because then we see ourselves in relation to God, and it drives us to our knees, not in a bad way, not in a groveling way. We see how small we are how big he is and how small we are. But shockingly, surprisingly, even in our smallness, it doesn't mean insignificance. That's what's surprising about our relationship to God. Just because we are small in relation to him doesn't mean we are insignificant. Surprisingly, in spite of our smallness, we are incredibly significant to him. And the psalmist says that that we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. We are loved. We are protected and provided for. See, this is what Thanksgiving reminds us of. If we spend all of our time focusing on the things that are coming and the things that are going and the things that are happening and the things that, that only last a minute, all of these vapors, all of this mist, all of this wind that is just here and then it's gone and it's all transient and we spend our life on this roller coaster of ups and downs, then we forget what is always true. We forget the source of all of our blessings. We forget who is our rock. Who is the one that holds the, the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountain and the seas 
in his hands? Who is the king above all gods? Who is he? He is the one who says to me and to you that we are his sheep, his people. He loves us. He loves us. He loves you. And if that doesn't surprise you, it should. It should surprise you. It should shock you. Every time somebody asks me how I am, I've taken to telling them that I'm better than I deserve. And it's true. I am so much better than I deserve. I know what I deserve. And I know it's not God's love and God's blessings to be his sheep, his people, me. Do you know what I've done, God? Do you know who I am, God? Do you know my fears and my doubts and my struggles and my sin and you love me? Yes. Shockingly, yes. And this is what Thanksgiving does. It drives our focus. It shapes our our sight and our vision so that we are driven to our knees, so that we fall on our face and worship him and thank him, not because we're insignificant, but because in his eyes, though we are small, we are significant. But but with this invitation to worship and praise and gratitude and thanksgiving comes a warning. With worship comes a warning. And that might be surprising. Because just as we said last week, it is good to give thanks It is also bad not to give thanks. That there is a warning that we all need to to hear because if there's an invitation that says, come, let's sing, come, let us praise God, let's shout aloud to the rock of our salvation, there also needs to be a warning that says, well, what if we don't? What if we don't give thanks? What if we don't focus on the God who is king above all gods? What if we don't give thanks to him? Listen to the the next part of verse 7. It says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. And do you remember when Israel was taken out of Egypt, when they began the exodus, and they went through the wilderness, and they began to get thirsty, And they began to complain. The text says in Exodus chapter 17 that they quarreled with Moses because they wanted water. And the word Massah right here in in Psalm 95, it means quarrel or quarreling because they quarreled with Moses. In fact, so much so they grumbled against him, verse 3. They were ready to stone him, Exodus 17 and verse 4. They were ready to stone him because you brought us out here into the wilderness and we're all going to die and we don't trust you and we don't believe you. And they quarreled with him and they fought with him and they distrusted him. They distrusted his leadership and they quarreled with him. And so the place where God gave them water, one of the names for that place where Moses struck the rock and the water came out, was Massah, quarreling. And the other name for that place was Meribah, testing, because they tested the Lord, saying, is he with us or not? Is he with us or not? Are you going to take care of us, God? Are you going to give us water? We're thirsty. And this text here, Psalm 95, says, do not be like them. Do not Harden your hearts like they did. Quarreling, 
and testing. We understand this, don't we? That circumstances can harden our hearts, can't they? The wilderness, maybe even the slavery for hundreds of years before that, had hardened the people's hearts. But with this invitation to worship comes this warning, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts like they did so that you become a quarreling people, a people who put God to the test. Instead of quarreling, instead of testing, do what? Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation because gratitude is good heart medicine, isn't it? Gratitude is the only real heart medicine. Gratitude is the only thing that can keep us from having a hardened heart. If we don't praise, if we don't worship, if we don't fall down on our knees, if we don't bow before him, if we don't give him thanks, if we don't shout aloud to the rock of our salvation, then our hearts will become hard and we will be a grumbling, quarreling, testing people. These people that had been brought out of Egypt, they had crossed the Red Sea, they had seen Egypt brought to its knees. God says they had seen my works and they didn't believe me. Their hearts were hard anyway, even though they had seen his works. And you think, well, why was it so bad that they asked for water? I mean, they were thirsty, right? And they're in the wilderness and they're just asking for water. Wasn't just that they asked for water, it's because they asked for water in fear. They asked for water in doubt. They asked for water in quarreling. They, they asked for water in testing. They didn't ask for water in trust. They didn't ask for water in gratitude. They asked for water with a hard heart. Are you with us or not? Are you going to provide for us or not? We're uncomfortable. We don't like this, God. We don't trust your servant, Moses. We don't want to do things your way. And God was sick of it. And he tells future generations, don't be like that. Don't let your heart get hard. Circumstances can harden your heart, but gratitude can soften it. Circumstances can harden your heart, but gratitude can soften it. Look at verse 10. He says, for 40 years, and this is something you don't want God to say about you, for 40 years, I loathed that generation. I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. They saw my ways, but they didn't know my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. God loathed that generation because he revealed himself to them. He showed them, here's who I am. Here's how much I love you. You're my sheep. You're my people. I love you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bring you into the promised land. Yet they did not trust him. And they quarreled and they complained and they tested God. They didn't know his ways because it wasn't because they hadn't seen the miracles. It wasn't because they didn't see the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire. It wasn't because they didn't see the Red Sea parted. It's because they didn't know it in their heart. They didn't trust him. They didn't give him thanks. And the psalmist includes this warning in this psalm, this invitation to give thanks as a warning to future generations. Don't 
be like the wilderness generation. Don't be like those quarrelers. Don't be like those complainers. Don't be like those that did not trust God. Do not harden your heart. Do not go astray in your heart. Because if you harden your heart or you go astray in your heart, you will not enter God's, what's the word? Rest. We've talked a lot about that lately, haven't we? You will not enter God's rest if you go astray in your heart, if you harden your heart. I wish we had time to look at Hebrews chapter 4. I love that Steve used Hebrews chapter 4 for us today. Look at Hebrews 4 and verse 11. I wish we had time to look at this entire passage because the Hebrew writer picks up on Psalm 95 that we've been reading. And he's warning the Christians of his generation not to be like the wilderness generation. He says, let us therefore strive. Let us, Christians, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The disobedience of the wilderness generation who didn't trust God, who tested God, who quarreled with Moses. Don't be like that and instead enter his rest. Now, the Hebrew writer, for him, it's all about having faith in Jesus. That's the way we enter into the rest of God. Put your faith in Jesus. But the threat of a hard heart, the threat of a heart that goes astray is always a present reality. That possibility that our heart might get hard, that our heart might go astray, is always a possibility. It's something we always have to guard against. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The psalmist warned the people of his generation, don't be like the wilderness generation. The Hebrew writer is warning the Christians of his generation, don't be like the wilderness generation. Trust God. Don't let your heart get hard. Don't let your heart go astray. Don't fall by the same sort of disobedience. So we need to do what this psalm is encouraging us to do. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Have gratitude. And that's the thought I want to end with, is this, is that gratitude is the best heart medicine. Gratitude is the only thing, trust, trustful thanksgiving is the only thing that can keep us from going astray in our heart, is the only thing that can keep us from having a hard heart, is gratitude. Gratitude, come, come, let us sing to the Lord, let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation, come. Let's give thanks. Remember who God is, that the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains and the seas are his. He made them. And we are his people. We are his sheep. Gratitude is the best heart medicine. 2020 has been enough to make any of our hearts get a little hard, huh? The only medicine for that is gratitude. Faithful gratitude, trusting gratitude, where we say, thank you, God. Look at who you are and what you've done, where we put our trust in Jesus and enter that rest so that we do not fall by the same sort of disobedience. If we want to keep our hearts from going astray, if we want to keep ourselves from being that quarreling, 
arguing, doubtful, disobedient generation, then we must listen to the invitation of this psalm. Come, let us sing to the Lord. So my encouragement for all of us today and this week and this month and this year and the rest of our lives is to take our heart medicine. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Anytime those doubts and fears start creeping in, anytime that that despair starts creeping in, anytime that we're tempted to test God and say, are you with us or not? Anytime we're we're tempted to quarrel with God's, God's people, anytime we're tempted to be like the wilderness generation, take your heart medicine. Be grateful. Come. Let us sing to the Lord. This is the invitation that is always open to us. We enter into the rest of God by putting our faith in Jesus. We we, we do that at baptism, but then we continue to do that. The Hebrew writer says, let us strive to enter that rest. Every day, let us strive to enter that rest. Because the wilderness generation, God said, I loathe that generation. And I swore in my wrath that they would not enter my rest. I don't want that to be true of any of us, do you? Let's not be like that. Let's not allow the circumstances to harden our hearts or cause us to go astray in our hearts. Let's take our heart medicine and let our hearts be full of gratitude and praise. And so at this time, we're going to sing a song. And as we do, you're welcome to visit with a shepherd at the information table. If there's anything we can do for you, if you're ready to put Jesus on in baptism or you just need prayers or encouragement, Come, let us sing together as we stand.